Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ladies on a Roll. I'm your host, Celeste Davis. And today's topic is the movie Grease. Yes, Grease is the word. I absolutely wanted to do this movie after hearing Olivia Newton-John passing away recently. I had to just jump on this movie. One of my favorites of all time. And I just want to say, I don't know how objective I am with talking about this movie because it is absolutely one of my favorite movies. So this is going to be a very hard discussion, but hopefully I'll be able to get through it and help talk about some of the discrepancies, some of the things we learned about the movie, some of the things I learned about the movie. So we'll have to see. If any of you are new to the planet and have never seen this movie, um, it is about a summer fling between two high school students, Danny and Sandy. And uh, Danny, who is kind of like a greaser, which was, you know, back in the day, being a greaser was kind of like uh, a bad boy, you know. And Sandy, she was kind of like the girl next door, but she was from Australia, so the next door was kind of far away. Uh, anyways, uh they discover after their summer fling that they were both going to the same high school and they're trying to cope with getting back together while discovering who they are in the process. Some of the cast members to this, this movie went on to do phenomenal, phenomenal things. I mean, we all know John Travolta and you know, I hadn't seen this movie and I'd say, Oh, I, 15, 20 years. Okay. So it's been a while since I've seen it from like the beginning all the way to the end. And I completely, completely forgot how good-looking John Travolta was back then. I mean, he's still he's still pretty okay now. But I, I'm saying, like, he was hot. Just this dark jet black hair, blue eyes, pale skin. Oh, he was really good. He was a phenomenal, phenomenal-looking actor. And then Olivia Newton-John, oh, how pretty was she? She was the absolute right person for this role. I mean, she could sing, she could dance. She, she was pretty as the girl next door. She was even prettier to, at the end when she wanted to be this big, sexy, you know, kind of girl and stuff. But you know, it, it was the right cast. And we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the other people who could have been the Sandy in this movie, which when you think about it, it's like, how could they even have considered some of these other women? But We'll talk about that. Some of my favorite actors in this movie just are are phenomenal actors even before they got here. So like Jeff Conway, for instance, was already a Broadway, you know, he was already doing Broadway. He he did the Broadway version of Grease already before this movie. So he was an easy fill-in for his role. Actually, he played a different role in the Broadway version, but, you know, he was a greaser. So back then, greasers were phenomenal. Now, before I get too much into the actors, let's talk a little bit more about some of the, uh, the movie itself, the exterior of the scenes that you see at the high school of Rydell high school was actually filmed at a uh, Venice high school in California. And then the interiors of Rydell was actually, um, at another school in Huntington park. It is quite a bit of a distance between the two high schools. So I'm not sure how everybody got back and forth. But anyways, there was that. And 
it all looked great. So like the dancing scene, you know, when they're all dancing inside, that was done at Huntington Park High School. So that's kind of cool to know. One of the things that I just found out was the 40th anniversary was in 2018. Oh my God. Uh. <laughs> I can't believe it's been 40 years. Anyways, I got to see some of the clips. John Travolta and uh, Olivia Newton-John and Dee Dee Cohen was there as well. And, uh, you know, she played Frenchie in case you forgot which one she was. And it was really cute. They're they're all such nice people. You know, you just kind of want to hang out with them. They seem so nice. One of the things I was noticing when I was watching the film was that they have beginning credits. And you know that nowadays we don't have that level of beginning credits. I mean, it was telling you music supervisors and production and, you know, a lot of different people. Nowadays, all that information is at the very end. You don't quite see all of that so one of the things I was noticing in the very beginning I saw Barry Gibbs name under music supervision and I was like wait what Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees like what's going on so I looked this up and I'm like what did Barry Gibb have to do with the movie Grease well he wrote the theme song the one that Frankie Valli sings and I was like what Yes. So he was the one who wrote the song Grease with and had Frankie Valley sing it. Now, he actually sings backup vocals to it, which was even more surprising and even more interesting. I went to the Grease IMDb page and I don't see his name there. Yeah. And he's not really credited that well for it, but he definitely wrote and helped sing that song. So that was very cool. One of the things I discovered too, this film made about $400 million. And back in 1978, that was huge, huge, huge thing. It was one of the highest grossing musicals until Mamma Mia came out in 2008. So it held that title for what, like 30 years? That's incredible. And all the music and memorabilia that came from this movie was a huge hit. You know, the there was like an album that came out for this and that sold really well. It said it ranked number two for the longest time. It never quite got to number one, but my goodness, you know, it held a number two position. Here's the thing. Every time a song came up during the movie, I found myself either singing way out loud or just kind of mumbling it, you know, because I remember this word and that word and that phrase and the, the melody and everything like that. So I I loved it. You know, I loved remembering this movie. I loved watching it. I loved the songs. I mean, who couldn't love the songs? We all sang them. We all, we all wanted to be part of this movie. I mean, I, I think that's what connects us to this movie is the song. One of the things I discovered about the song, Look At Me, I'm Sandra D," the one that Rizzo is singing at the slumber party, is that that song originally, you know, where she's like, um, she's referencing Elvis in it. Instead, it used to be a heartthrob named Sal Minio. Never heard of him. Um, I tried looking him up. I didn't find much information about him except he was a heartthrob. Anyways, he was murdered in 1976. And the writers decided to change the lyrics to Elvis. So you remember, uh, you know, Rizzo, she's singing it. She's like, Elvis, Elvis. Uh, yeah, they changed it to Elvis. But here's the ironic or sad or tragic part of it all. Elvis died the same day they were filming that scene. I mean, 
that's kind of scary. It, that's a little scary. So anyways, I just thought that was kind of interesting to find out. Um, I'm not sure if anyone has ever heard, but the, the production company was through Alan Carr. And Alan Carr was this very eccentric and kind of a little crazy kind of guy. And he was the one that kind of really put all of this together. And one of the things that he tried doing was he wanted a surf rock quartet to sing the song Grease Lightning. There was talk, there was just talk about having the Beach Boys do that song. And I think about it now and it's like, wait, what? I cannot, I can't even imagine that, you know? Can you imagine the Beach Boys singing Grease Lightning? It boggles my mind. I, I, I can't even envision it at all. I'm glad that the song was sang by the cast. They did that great dance scene in there that was fun that was exciting you know I, I I just really cannot imagine that scene in any other way a strange and fun fact is that the cast reportedly chewed 100,000 pieces of bubble gum during the shoot can you imagine that I'm like what who okay you know what that was the age it's amazing because I remember growing up eating bubble gum or I should say chewing bubble gum because it was such a big deal to still do I don't hear kids talking about having that enthusiasm having that excitement to wanting to choose bubble gum in fact I, I remember so many conversations with my friends on which bubble gum was the best because the one thing you wanted to do if you had bubble gum was to blow a bubble so the big thing growing up for me was what bubble gum was the best one to blow a bubble with. And I can tell you, we used to always choose hubba bubba. Don't know if you guys remember that one or not. Anyways, uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting that everyone chewed so much gum. I thought a lot about how this movie would hold up today and it would absolutely not hold up. You could not have the same scenes, dialogue, etc. This is a movie, even back in 1978, that you, you had to just go with in order to like it and believe it. Because if you didn't go with it, then you would not like it. And believe it or not, this was a movie that was not well received by critics, but it did amazing in the theaters. So some of the discrepancies of the movie, I mean, are really pertinent to back then when they were supposedly in high school and here's one thing that kind of struck me was that no one really is in class and no one really cares at being at school so I you know it, that was kind of strange there's no parents in sight you see absolutely no parents you don't see Frenchie's parents when they're at the house you don't see any of the kids parents you just see some adults at the high school, some of the staff members, principals, teachers, coach, etc. But you do not see an adult saying, hey, Sandy, maybe you should not go out at night. Or, hey, Rizzo, we don't appreciate you going out and sneaking off with your boyfriend. No, there is none of that. It is all adult free type of thing. There's also a quick homophobic jab to that poor nerdy Eugene guy. And, you know, it just kind of gets brushed off like, ha ha, Eugene, you're gay. You know, it's like, what? I mean, even for back then, I don't know, maybe I'm looking at that at 2022 eyes, but it still wasn't a cool thing to really bully people around. But that was uh, the movies back then. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they should blank that out. One of the things that would not hold up well in today's standards with this movie is that 
Sandy was absolutely obsessed with Danny, like obsessed, like at an unhealthy level. If a a girl was acting this way now, like even in the movies, I, I don't think it would be well received because she gets jealous anytime he is talking or with any other woman. She also quickly accepts his apology after he tries to sexually assault her at the drive in. Well, he didn't even really give her that much of an apology, to be honest with you. He just was like, sorry, you know, but he wasn't really even sorry for what he did. And then she ends up leaving and he's like, you can't leave the drive-in. And then that ends up into one of a cool song where he's seeing Stranded at the drive-in. There's not really a lot of female empowerment to this movie. They try to make it like it is because after she has an attempted sexual assault by Danny, she goes running off. And uh, she asks Frenchie to help her with a makeover where she changes everything about herself to please Danny. And it's just like, wait, what? Like, so there's really no true female empowerment there. There's no real independence. It's all about obsessing over the guy and trying to change everything about yourself so he'll like you even more. But here's the thing. Danny already liked her for who she was. And that's one thing I wish the message would have continued for because he was actually changing for her he ended up getting a a letterman sweater for doing track and he was already just by him enrolling in the track was a new step for him to get out of the gang that he was in and i wish they would have embraced that a little bit more because he was actually changing for her and she didn't need to change for him she was fine just the way she was I do apologize. I am trying to be critical about the movie, even though I still absolutely love it. I, I can't get enough of it. I'll probably watch it again tonight. I loved it so much. So, and I want to sing all the songs. I mean, who doesn't? So another issue I had with the movie was that Rizzo's pregnancy was handled all wrong. Um, for, for one, uh, she was slut shamed, uh, which I didn't think was really cool. And, I understand, you know, look, this movie was made to be, it was made in 1978, but it was supposed to be about the 50s. So having a pregnancy back then was really huge because abortions weren't quite there yet. So I understood Rizzo's predicament. If she was pregnant, she was going to be pregnant and she was going to be stuck with having a baby. So instead of them trying to make Rizzo uh, a strong, independent woman, they just made her ornery and stubborn and like, oh, I can do this by myself. I don't. I don't care, but, and we all understood in reality, she did care and she was very sensitive to it. And, um, and it ended up being a false alarm, but you know, I, I felt like the storyline about her being pregnant could have just been handled so much differently at the same time. Her pregnancy was a funny thing because when she was at the drive-in and she tells Marty that she thinks she's pregnant because she missed her period. Marty's like, oh yeah, I won't tell anybody. As Rizzo's walking behind the cars, the gossip of her being pregnant is following her as she walks behind it and then gets all the way up to Kaniski and then he confronts her about it. So I thought that was kind of like a funny scene and it kind of makes me laugh every single time. But, and again, true to life, this is not a really cool message to give to girls about pregnancy and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think I wish they would have had a a better perspective on how to handle that. But I do understand it was the 1950s 
And, you know, it was a very different time then. So, you know, a lot of these discrepancies I would easily let go. And I do easily let go because the movie's great. It, it is a, a cute musical. It's a cute movie. Uh, I love all the characters. I love the way they play them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to nitpick and trying to pick it apart the best I can, trying to be objective. But it's a little hard. <laughs> it's a little hard when you like it. One of the issues I did have and do have with the movie is Vince Fontaine's character. Uh, he is the announcer for the dance-off, and he is flirting with Marty, who's supposed to be an underage kid at the time. Then when he's not flirting with her, he's checking out other women because during the dance, he ends up walking in between a guy and a girl and just kind of rubbing on the girl, and you're just like, ew, uh, eh, it's good. It's gross you know it's like oh man and I don't know what the laws were back in like the 1950s with regards to underage dating but even then it should have been a no-no because that was uh, gross <laughs> Anyways, one of the biggest discrepancies in this movie is and I think we can all agree about is that none of the actors are high school age okay I mean some of the beginning opening scenes where all the, the guys are at high school. I mean, it's supposed to be eight o'clock in the morning and they have a five o'clock shadow. It's like, come on. And they all clearly look like they're 30. No one's pulling it off. There are two actors in there who were younger at the time. And that was Dee Dee Cohen and, uh, the actress who played Marty, which was, uh, Oh, uh, Dinah Manoff. And Dinah Manoff, they were like 19 at the time. So technically they were still teenagers, but come on, they were not in high school. And and that's another point too. Back all the way up through like even the 80s, they never had true uh, actors play or portray kids who were in high school. Uh, they they ever, never, never looked like that. And so I think it was maybe like late 90s to when kids actually were underage or who at least were 18 and looked like they could still be in high school, that's when that started coming along. So you can imagine my shock as I was getting older and the kids who were supposed to be in high school looked my age and were growing up with me. So, or that they at least looked 10 years older than me. You know, it's, it's amazing that all these kids, they, they just looked so much older than high school. I, I don't recall and I couldn't find out why this was. I don't know why there were adults playing that. And here's the thing. Not to knock down the actress who played Chacha, the, you know, the, the Latino dancer. But come on, she looked 45. Seriously, she looked like somebody's mom. There was no way this actress looked like she went to high school or was even dating someone in high school. I mean, she didn't even look like she was in college. She looked like she graduated. She, she had about four kids, you know, come on. This actress did not look like she belonged in high school or within that crowd, nowhere near it. And, and I'm, I apologize profusely to that actress who played cha-cha, but come on. I, I, there's, there's so many actors out there. There's so many, and, and that's what's getting me. That's what's kind of getting me a little riled up. There's so many actors out there. And even back in 1978, there was a gazillion actors out there back then that could be doing what she did, yet they found her. Now, I want to give her a lot of credit. She is beautiful. I am not 
age discriminating her because I am actually older than she is right now myself as an actor but it, it just was not the right match for the role and so whoever casted her whoever wanted her to be in this role I, I think they got it wrong I, I think they really needed someone so so much younger than that and um, but at the same time I mean she was very sexy she was really fun her dancing was really great um, but Again, that's all she did. You could find a gazillion other dancers to have filled that role. And I, I have a hard time believing the only one they could get was one that looked her age. So, again, my sincere apologies to that actress. I'm not trying to shame her in any way. I'm just saying I just didn't feel like she was the right fit for that role. One of my confusing discrepancies about this movie was the sleepover. And that's when the guys all pull up in the car and the girls are all looking at the window going, oh my God, oh, the guys are here. So Rizzo decides to, she gets dressed, climbs out the window, goes down the roof, down to the ground, and then hops in Kaniski's car. But here's the thing. Rizzo was a guest at Frenchie's house. Why didn't she just go down the stairs and walk out the door? You know, she's not hiding away from her parents. She could have just left. You know, so it didn't make any sense. That was a huge discrepancy. It's like, why is she sneaking out the window? This isn't her house. This is her friend's house. Like, open the bedroom door and walk downstairs and walk out the front door. It made no sense. Because, you know what? Sandy does it later. Yeah, Sandy does it later when she's singing Hopelessly Devoted to You. She's outside on the front porch of Frenchie's house singing that song. So, you could have done it easier, Rizzo. I'm just saying just saying so I'm just curious to find out how old my audience was when this movie came out put your number down in the comments I would love to hear about that I myself I was nine going on ten when this movie came out and I did not see it in the movie theaters but I do remember seeing it I, I don't recall when I can tell you I saw it Roughly like uh, right around or before I hit high school, because I remember thinking that's how high school was going to be. I was somewhat homeschooled all my life and high school was the beginning of public school for me. So I was very, very excited. And I, I remember thinking that this was how high school was going to be. And you know what? It actually was very similar to that. It, it was similar in terms of style, you know, how everybody was categorized, but it was a little bit of a bubble pop. I mean, it wasn't as exciting and fun as I thought it was going to be. I think too, I, I kind of really resonated with Frenchie because when I went to public high school, I hung out with kind of like the heavy metal crowd because I, I just didn't really know anybody. And that's who like my first friend started hanging out with. And, you know, and then as the friends started growing, that's what they believed into. They started listening to all that heavy metal music. So I kind of was like with the, the bad girl team, I guess you can say kind of like the pink ladies, except we didn't have matching jackets. And I felt like I could relate to Frenchie because I was always a big softy to an underdog, you know, somebody like Sandy, I was kind of protective of that. And at the same time, I was unsure of myself. You know, Frenchie was very unsure of herself and I just, I don't know. And plus she's very sweet and I thought I was a nice person in high school. Who knows? I could have been a raging bitch, but 
Oh, well, if, if you knew me in high school, you're more than welcome to put a comment like Celeste Davis was a raging bitch. I don't care. That's fine. I probably was a snot anyways. I whatever. But in my head, in my head and in my own head fantasy, I thought I was a sweet girl, just like Frenchie. So but, you know. I just didn't have Frankie Avalon singing to me on top of the stairs. So I do recall having a memory of the eight track at my house of the movie Grease. So I remember knowing the songs pretty well. This kind of dates me for sure. My favorite scene is beauty school dropout. I love that whole scene. And then you realize at some point that Rizzo and Marty are in the scene too. And it's kind of cute. I love the whole thing, the whole message. It's it's very cute and um, it's really fun. One of the things I discovered about the scene was Frankie Avalon was really scared to do it because he felt the stairs were too high and he was really, really fussing about it. So they put a bunch of mattresses like all around it so he wouldn't worry. And when I, I read this note before I saw the movie again and so when that scene came up, I looked and the very top of the stairs, you can see they're very small. You can barely fit two feet on one step. So it's like the first five or so steps is about this wide, you know? And then after that, it gets bigger and it widens open. But I completely understand why he was upset about that because that looks really, really scary. Um, but the scene, you know what? Kudos to him. It was a beautiful scene. I love it. I think it's a favorite from a lot of people. You are more than welcome to let me know in the comments if that was one of your favorite scenes or just let me know what scene is your favorite. My second favorite scene was when Danny and Sandy decide to go on kind of like their first date after they reconciled and met in high school and stuff. And they go to the diner and uh, Danny's hesitant to go in because all the friends there and he kind of doesn't want to go. But they go running in and they're kind of hiding and they go behind these uh, menus. And then all of a sudden, I think it's Kaniski who discovers them. And then all the friends kind of like one by one by two start filling in and bringing a table up to their booth and filling in. And so they're trying to, Sandy and Danny are trying to talk and everyone's just kind of like, you know, kind of listening in. It's really cute. It's very funny. I thought that was a funny scene. And that's a good thing about this uh, movie. I mean, I think overall, all the actors did a phenomenal job. There is not one actor in this movie that did a bad job. They all did phenomenal. I mean, let's talk about Eve Arden for a second. The principal. How fantastic was she? You know, she committed to her role. And here's the thing about comedy that people don't understand. You can play a straight person and still be very funny. Eve Arden's character as a principal was very funny and same as her assistant. So her assistant, who was this comical genius, was really funny. But that's because Eve Arden's character was very straight and very, you know, firm and straightforward. And her assistant was just this crazy fun character that you just absolutely love. The other actor in here, Sid Caesar. Oh my gosh. I love the fact that Sid Caesar was in this. Uh, he was very fun. He does do some comical things. One of the areas he kind of thrived in a little bit, and you can hear a little bit of his own 
improv in it is the scenes he was doing with Danny when Danny's trying to figure out which sport is the best for him. And so as they going through this montage of different sports, Sid Caesar's character as coach, he says a couple of funny things to Danny. And it's it's a really hilarious montage. I hope you go back and look at that and see the, the funny in that and definitely see how Sid Caesar brought a lot of comedy to the scenes and to the movie as well. Let's talk a little bit about John Travolta. He was not originally going to be first runner up for this particular role. In fact, they wanted him to be kind of like a busboy, a little bit more of a background person. What ended up happening is that they wanted Henry Wrinkler to be in the role because he was already like the Fonz and he did another movie prior to that where he was a greaser and Henry Wrinkler turned it down because he didn't want to be typecasted. And I thought a lot about it and I just thought I could not imagine Henry being in this role because I, I don't believe and I don't know of him being able to sing back then. And if you think about it, John Travolta sang all of his songs. So did Jeff Conaway. So I, I cannot imagine Henry Wrinkler singing. Or dancing like that. I mean, the dancing and choreography that John Travolta does is amazing. He already was a really good dancer. And the choreographer, I mean, he just nails that. He just totally, totally nails it. And Jeff Conaway is just right behind him. I mean, he was able to keep up. He did some phenomenal moves himself. I mean, you take the whole scene of Grease Lightning and, oh my gosh, look at his dancing. Look at... Look at everyone's dancing. Look at the singing. I mean, they all sang that. They they probably pre-recorded it, but it was a phenomenal scene. It was a phenomenal dance number, and you just can't get enough of it. Also, in that scene, while they're singing, when they're first starting to sing out, look to the left of the screen where there's a couple guys sitting at a table and they're actually sitting there in shock because there's a musical going on. I thought that was kind of a funny moment that doesn't quite get a lot of attention, but it's a little hidden treasure there. So the next time you're watching that scene, take a look to the left side of the screen where you see some guys sitting at a table and they're just sitting there like this. <laughs> so it's kind of cute. I think I'll think you enjoy it. So Olivia Newton-John's role, I absolutely cannot think of anyone else who could be in that role. She was perfect. She sang all the songs. I mean, she had a beautiful voice too. And you know what? Her character was someone I really loved. So I just, I cannot imagine anyone else doing it, but there were other women up for this role. One of them being Marie Osmond. I mean, she was younger at the time. She was a great singer. She still is. Let me say that. She still is. She's still alive. Um, but she was the first contender for this role. The only reason why she declined the role was because at the time she's a very serious Mormon and she felt like it would go against her own moral judgment because Sandy ends up turning into kind of like a bad girl transformation and she wasn't about that. So she declined the role. There were other women who were up for the role, one of them being Susan Day. Here's the thing. Susan Day didn't even sing in the Partridge family. She would have ended up lip singing to all and any of the songs, but I don't think she could have pulled this off at all, at all. Because the, the believable part about Sandy and Olivia Newton-John is that she is singing those songs. 
Susan Day would not be singing the songs. And the only reason why she was being considered is because the Partridge family had already ended and they were looking for someone popular and a girl next door type of look. But honestly, Susan Day would not have been able to carry that off. So I'm so glad that Olivia Newton-John got the role. And here's the thing. Olivia Newton-John got the role because John Travolta had a say-so in that. He was the one who was able to convince Alan Carr, the guy who was in charge of all the production of this, to hire her. And look at where the movie ended up being. She was phenomenal in this role. And anyone who says otherwise is itching for a fight. <laughs> Olivia Newton-John was perfect for this role. I learned, too, that they ended up changing just a small couple facts about it just so Olivia Newton-John could be in this role. So they had a maker from Australia and then uh, they also changed the last name to Olsen. The other, the other name was like, like a stupid name. It was like dumb cough or something like that. Anyways, I'm glad they brought her in. And then they just said that the reason why she was at the high school was because she didn't move back to Australia. So that was a good enough reason. We all bought it, moved on and there it is. Here is a really interesting fact about Rizzo which is Stockard Channing's role. The original role was offered to Lucille Ball's daughter, Lucy Ornez. And Lucille Ball didn't want Lucy to do it because she felt it was too much of a promiscuous role. And back then, you know, there was all sorts of uh, types. You know, there was all sorts of um, stereotypes to actors. And that's why, you know, Her Henry Wrinkler didn't want to do the role because he didn't want to be stereotyped. And if uh, Lucy Arnaz did this, she might have been stereotyped into promiscuous roles. And at the time, you know, Lucille Ball had already gone through her own discrimination through the industry. And so I think she was just being very protective of Lucy, her daughter. And that's why she didn't get the role. At the same time, I think it would have been interesting if Lucy Arnaz had it. She was a little bit younger than Stalker Channing was at the time. But again, Stalker Channing did a great job, even though she was 33. <laughs> yes, Stalker Channing was 33 when she did this role. And let me say, Stalker Channing was is a beautiful woman. And I thought she did a really great job with this role. But again, there are so many actors in this movie that are not even close to being in high school her being one of them but she did really good with what she had so i do think it would have been an interesting choice to see lucy arnaz but i will take soccer channing because i felt like she did a great great job and she sang she sang in it as well lucy arnaz by the way can sing so i just want to say that so Jeff Conaway was an interesting choice for Kaniski. He actually was in the Broadway version of Grease. He played a different role, but I was really glad to see him in this. Now, Jeff was a, a really interesting actor because he ended up going on to one of my favorite TV shows called Taxi. And I, I wanted to find out when this was because it, it's right at the same time. Like the movie came out in 1978 and he started Taxi in 1978. So I wanted to see which one came first. And actually the movie came first and then he started doing Taxi. So I found that really interesting. And the cool thing is, is Jeff Conaway was a really good looking guy. And I remember seeing Taxi, not when it aired, but later on thinking that Jeff was a really cute guy. And, and he was. He was a really good-looking guy. It's very sad and tragic that he died um, 
about about 10 years ago, actually. So Jeff ended up having a, a pretty decent career. He went on to do different roles and guest appearances here and there, um, but he stayed active. And in fact, I, when I went to go look at his IMDb right now, it shows that he is current with three movies since he passed. But what it is, it's kind of like tributes to him. It's like a voiceover uh, type of movies. And so I think they're just taking his voice and transplanting it into different scenes. So that's kind of interesting. So Dee Dee Khan, um, she's the one that plays Frenchie. I was kind of interested in her because I do remember her here and there growing up. I, I kind of remember her on different shows and stuff like that. And I was right. She was someone who's done like a lot of guest appearances, you know, like on Love Boat and Love American Style. But she ended up getting a gig on the TV show Benson for a while. Yeah. And she ended up being back in Greece too, which that movie, don't see it if you don't have to. It's pretty bad. I, I, I don't know who hired Michelle Pfeiffer, but she can't sing. Sorry. She can't. I mean, I probably can sing as well as Michelle Pfeiffer, which is... Not well. So I'm not just putting her down. I'm putting myself down. I can't sing. So Dee Dee Cohen, you know, like I said, Dee Dee Cohen just ended up doing a lot of guest appearances. And she's still very active. Um, she's such a sweet character. And I, I kind of want to say this about her and some of the other actors. You know, a lot of people think that as an actor, you have to be really good looking or a certain height and a certain weight and all this other kind of stuff. But I want to explain like Dee Dee is she's not a glamorous woman. She's pretty, um, but she's not glamorous. She's not like that starlet you would think about. She's an actor. And I, I hate it when people look at me and say, oh, well, are you, you know, how can you be an actor? You know, I'm, I'm plus size. I'm 53. You know, it's like, aren't you too old? Aren't you too, too fat? No, you can be any size, height, weight to be an actor. And her and some of the other characters like Alice Ghostly, which I'm going to talk about in one second. Uh, they're just proof that anybody can be an actor. It is not about looks. It is not about height and weight. It is about talent. It is about what you can bring to the table. And I hope people understand that some of these favorite actors that you see, you know, such as Dee Dee and Alice, they are women who bring extra light to movies that bring that extra humor, that fun, that excitement, like, oh, and, and Dee Dee, didn't she bring like that sweet character? I mean, as I mentioned earlier, Dee Dee brought that sweet character we all wanted to be, you know, for me growing up, I knew I was part of the bad crowd, but I didn't want to be, I knew in my head, I thought I was that sweet. And, and caring towards other people. At least I tried to be. I mean, whether it was, again, whether I was or not was a whole other story. But that's that's who I think we all thought we were. You know, we didn't have to be that tough gal. So that's the type of characters I want people to look at when they see acting. Not the glamorous one, but the one who's bringing more volume. So I just want to make a point that you don't always have to be gorgeous in movies to add to the scene or the character or to the movie. Dee Dee is one of those characters who was pretty for who she was because she was a sweet person. She's funny and she's very warm and giving. And so that's what she brought to the table with her character in this movie. Now let's talk about Alice Ghostly. Okay. Alice is such a cool actress. Oh my gosh, we've all know who Alice is. If you don't, 
Alice is someone who played Esmeralda on Bewitched. She was just kind of this klutzy, comical, you know, really fun actress. And all of her roles, uh, all of her acting and her whole, you know, filmography background is all these comedic roles. She is so funny. Such a great character actress. I love her. And in this movie, she was a great character. She was really fun to watch. She had some comedic scenes. She had that little snarky sarcasm that we all know about her and love about her. And um, she went on to do other stuff. I forgot some of the stuff that she's done. She's done Get Smart, Beat Witch, which I mentioned earlier, Love American Style. She did an episode of Good Times. She was in several episodes in Designing Women, and she had a reoccurring part on Evening Shade, you know, the one with uh, Burt Reynolds, that one. So I thought that was great. I just, I loved seeing her. And she is definitely one of those character actors that deserves her own time. So I'm going to have to come back and talk about some of my favorite character actors and include her in that list because she is a fantastic actress. I wish and hope I can be just like her. So moving on to Dinah Manhoff, who is Marty in the movie okay she was 19 so she was one of the only true teenagers in it one of the things that i love about her her acting career was she's in two of my favorite shows one is soap which is like a comedic uh, soap opera and the other one is empty nest which was a uh, spin-off from the golden girls she plays both very funny characters in both episodes and I just love her and she still has a great career going it looks like she hasn't worked in quite some time maybe about uh, five six years so maybe there's a reason maybe some medical issues I, I couldn't find out anything about that but uh, I do hope she comes back to the acting world as she is adorable she's funny and I would still love to see her in uh, movies or TV. Well, I just wanted to thank you for tuning in and talking about the movie Grease. I hope you had fun. I, and I also hope that you would be hopelessly devoted to the show. See what I did there? By subscribing. Please hit that subscribe button for me so that you don't miss another episode. This has been Ladies on a Roll.